Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Hey, this is Freedom Friday, alternative yep. news commentary, Ms. Capan. Yes, it is. And today's date is June 16th, 2017. That's impossible. It's possible. How could it be like already the middle of 2017? I know, right? It's crazy. Oh, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's just spinning out of control. You know, uh, Ms. Kapow, I was reading the news. I was preparing for today's show. Believe it or not, I do prepare. Yeah, you do. I didn't sound like it. No, but it does. I do prepare. And I was reading. I was reading about the Brave New World. The book written, a novel written, yeah. and published in 1932 by Old Ducks. Old Deuce, I'm sorry. Aldous Huxley. That's a hard that's a hard first name to pronounce. Yeah. Aldous Huxley. Who names your kid Aldous? Uh, what the heck is that all about? I have no Think idea. about it. I Aldous, know. really? <sighs> Just call him Old Dust. Old Dust Huxley. Anyway, it's set in London. Miss Kapow, it's set in London in the year eighty twenty five forty AF oh. which means after Ford in the book. I don't know. The novel anticipates these weird developments in the world, like in reproductive technology. Hello, sleep learning, psychological manipulation and classical conditioning. And it's all combined together to profoundly change society. Mm. He wrote this in 32. I know. Huh. Isn't that amazing? I know. I just blows my mind. Doesn't it blow your mind? Doesn't it, it just it. It blows it. freak out your little kapow mind? It does. Um, now, now I was reading about it, and I was, I, was, I was amazed that he wrote this novel in four months, number one. He, it only took four months he to write it. That's it, incredible. It had been downloaded to him, no? Don't you think? Yeah. He, that's, <laughs> that's a real short time to write a book oh, of this magnitude. I think so. Anyway, it took him four months to write it, and he was in France. And he was already an established writer, so he, you know he wasn't like brand new or anything. But it was his fifth novel, and it was his first dystopian work. It was he hasn't done anything. He hadn't done anything like it. Mm. And I was reading that the Brave New World was inspired by the utopian novels of H.G. Uh, Wells, you know, and those those books that he wrote, mm -hmm. and that um, Huxley got the idea to begin writing a parody of some of those novels, you know, which became Brave New World. But what happened is he, he said he got caught up in the excitement of his own ideas. Hmm. And unlike 
popular optimist utopian novels novels of the time, Huxley sought to provide a frightening vision of the future. And I think he accomplished that, right? Mm -hmm. And he referred to Brave New World as a negative utopia, someone influenced by Wells' work, you know, and other people, you know, other people's work. And um, what I also thought was was interesting is that he had he had come to the United States uh, on holiday or something, and he was in San Francisco. And a lot of what he wrote was based on what he saw in the United States. Mm. He saw the youth acting just, you know, crazy. He saw um, consumerism, people just um, their their minds just chasing, you know, like kind of what you see today. But he saw that back in the 30s. And he was like so disgusted with life here mm. uh, in in the States that a lot of a lot of his characters came from that. Isn't that weird? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it was like a, a trip to the United States really gave that book a lot of its character because Huxley was outraged by the culture here in America of, of the youth. Um, the commercial cheeriness, he said, and sexual promiscuity. Mm. And then it's what he called the inward looking nature of many Americans. In other words, they're... They're narcissists. You know, they only look to themselves. Life's right. only here. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then he, here it is, you know, years and years later. And obviously what he wrote has, in fact, born true. And so because of that, these stories that we're going to talk about today, I want to entitle the show, not Brave New World, but. I want to put my own spin on it, Ms. Kapow. Well, do that. I want to call it Brave New Sewer Hole. <laughs> yeah. That's very apropos. Well, because I'm always yelling, hey, shut your sewer hole. Yep, yep, yep. So it's like we're living in the Brave New Sewer Hole. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't write a book about the Brave New Sewer Hole because we're already in the sewer hole. So it wouldn't be a fictional book and no one would care. Because they're too busy fubbing. That's right, fubbing. And we're going to talk about fubbing later. So hang on if you want to know what fubbing is. We're learning different words for sure. Miss Capel's learning different words. She's got a whole different vocabulary. Fubbing, misgirdishness, what is it? Misandrist. Misandrist. Yeah, and sapphism. Sapphism. I'm I'm not really sure how that's pronounced, but... I think that's what it is. But, but you're going to share these new world words I with our uh, audience, aren't you? I am. That's good. That's exciting. Well, before we start talking about the brave new sewer hole and these uh, crazy stories, why don't you give the people the word of God? Scripture. Yeah. Give them the word of God. So we're going to start with truth and then we're going to start talking about all this nonsense, you know, in this simul matrix. The scripture world. I have for today is 1 Corinthians three eighteen through 19 that says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He takes the wise in their own craftiness. That is short and sweet. Uh-huh. I like it. I likes it. Okay. 
Well, check this out, Ms. Capel. You know, we've never been about fear porn. We've never been about just doing this show to make the listeners afraid no. of stuff. And then make you afraid of what's coming on the earth. And then, well, lo and behold, we happen to sell a survival kit. Mm-hmm. And this survival kit will help you survive, you know, this horrible stuff we're talking about. <laughs> we don't do that. No. But this first story I'm talking about comes close to fear porn because it's the scariest thing that's happening in the world today. You might think, well, you're worried about economic collapse. Some people are worried about asteroids hitting the earth. There's a lot of people worried about Nibiru. They think planet X is going to slam into the earth, whether it be flat or round. Mm Mm-hmm. CERN opening the portals to hell. There's so much to worry about. But what I'm going to present to you today, listeners, is something that far outreaches all that fear. It's called manspreading. (laughs) When you first told me that word, it's like, what is that? It's the new thing, man. This is... This is what you need to be afraid of. Be very afraid of man spreading. I want to cry as I talk about it because I feel so guilty as a man spreader myself of what I'm doing to this earth, to these people. It's about space, Miss Capel. It's about space. Okay. And I think you're, I, I just, I'm willing up. I think that in the past I haven't respected these feminazis space you know what do i do about that hmm. i i have i have come up with a device that i sell for 19.99 and it will help men from man spreading and i came up with it while i was working out in the gym and i was i was on the i was on the bench press and i was lifting weights and i happened to look down and there i was all man spreaded <laughs> Oh, man, spread it. And there was people, people all around me. And so I went and I got one of those exercise bands, those yoga bands. And I began to, I put them around my knees to close my man spreadedness. And that's what I sell for nineteen ninety nine, a whole man spreading kit. It goes from, uh, <laughs> it goes from, you know, small man spreading to large man spreading. Just depends on your, oh you know. Your size. I'm kind of a big guy. So, you know, I couldn't even cross my legs if I wanted to. I could barely like put my knee my leg on my knee you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because my hips don't move anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah i just crawl around on my elbows everybody knows that (laughs) yeah no oh yeah okay this is madrid 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 bands man spreading on public transport after feminist should (laughs) as, as they should this is very i hope i hope I'm not scaring people because they know it's the end of the world and they're, they don't know what to do to prepare for the man spreading epidemic. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to, to warn you. And for God's sake of your man, please listen to my words. <laughs> the Spanish capital state owned public transport company, EMT Madrid. That's probably your first problem right there. It's state owned. Mm hmm. Okay, 
Welcome to the brave new sewer hole, folks. It's called EMT Madrid. It has introduced a new man-spreading sign, which forbids men from spreading their legs too wide while sitting on buses it operates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's equivalent to smoking. No smoking. No and smoke, no man-spreading. No man-spreading. <laughs> The mission of this new icon is to remember the need to maintain civic behavior because manspreading is uncivilized. Everybody knows that. It's not civic well, behavior. It's an aggressive uh, posture. It is. It has nothing to do with the plumbing being on the outside rather than being on the inside. It has nothing to do with that. It's just that a man is, well, they're mean. Men are mean. And uh, so it has to, it, it, it reminds people to maintain civic behavior and to respect. Here it is. Here's the word of the day respect the space. <laughs> Just respect the space, people. Can't you respect my space? Respect the space of everyone on board the bus. That's what the sign is meant to say. And this said the company, and this company operates over 200 bus lines carrying more than 400 million passengers every year mm. wow. who are manspreading and not respecting the space of these poor women. Um, I don't know. I don't know if another man could be offended by another man manspreading. I don't know. That could be. In this day of age of the brave new sewer hole. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to be offended by it. Well, now I you see know. it all the time. Well, now you know. Now you're educated. Now you know you're supposed to be offended. Well, you see it all the time because, <laughs> well, I, I'm a, I'm a man spreader. I admit it. Spreader, yeah. I admit it. And I, there's a, there is, I found a support group, Ms. Kapow, Man Spreading Anonymous. <laughs> no, we all get together and we have, we have daily meetings and I have a support group. And there's 12 steps to stop the man spreading. Oh, well. The first step is to recognize that you're, you're uh, you know, you're uncivilized. Mm. That's the first step. And then we go from there. And then, of course, I can sell my bands there, too. And that, that helps. Mm-hmm. But uh, the new information sign is similar to those that already exist in other transport systems around the world. I kid you not. So Madrid is at the only place that's gone totally off their rockers around the world. And this sign or similar information about man spreading has gone around the world to stop people adopting a posture that makes others uncomfortable. Oh, for the love of God. Yes. Do not adopt a posture that makes others uncomfortable. Now, lately, and Miss Capel is my witness, I got this really cool cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I live in Nevada, so I wanted to be a cowboy. Mm-hmm. And so I got this really cool cowboy hat. And I look really good in it. Do I, do I not, Miss Capel? I think so. I look really good in this cowboy hat. And when I wear my cowboy hat, it's kind of, when, you know, have you seen a, a, a man wear a cowboy hat? They look kind of like aggressive, don't they? You know, they, well, look, they like, look manly. Yeah. They look manly. Like they just come back from the, the ranch riding a horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been wearing my cowboy hat around. And uh, and now I'm just kind of wondering if I'm if I'm adopting a posture with that cowboy hat that's making others uncomfortable. 
that they might be thinking, hey, this guy's a little too manly. He might be riding his horse in here anytime. So I, I don't know. So I better go back to like using gel on my hair, maybe product, maybe some mousse. I don't know. You can't use it in my lipstick. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to my support group. Mm. EMT Madrid said that the decision had been made after consulting with the Oh Miss Capel and listeners. Take note of this. They consulted with the city equality office. Oh. Who works at the city equality office? What the hell do they do at the city equality office? Make every make, make sure everyone's everything's fair and equal. They get paid. These are city employees. And that's what they do. A brave new sewer hole. They consulted with the city's equality office. Chimney. And in response to a petition by a feminist collective called Microcolilatos Feministas. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Some about a feminine microcorrelato. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Sounds like a cheese pie. <laughs> I don't know. Mike. Microco, microcoilatos feministas. I don't know. I, I don't. Feministas. Feministas. It should just be feminazi, shouldn't it be? Yeah. The city equality office. They're talking to these uh, feminazi, feminazi Nazis. I don't know. You can't even say it right. I can't say it right. You know why? Because right now I'm manspreading. As I'm doing <laughs> this show, no, I, I look down. No, I. Miss Capel, I lie to you not. <laughs> you can't see it because I'm high, behind the desk, so I'm not. I'm not offending you with my posture, but I'm offending myself. I'm offended. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the uh, microcorrelitos uh, feministas, who has petitioned to stop men from invading personal space. That's in quotes. Wow. Um, Brave, wow. new, brave new sewer hole, am I right? Am I right? Do I make this stuff up, folks? No, I'm right. I'm always right about this. <laughs> I am. I'm always right. This is a sewer hole. This is the evidence of the sewer. Yeah. My gosh. You can't. Come on. Really? Oh, we're going to last another 50 years. We're going to. The world's going to go on 100. Really? It's not. It's not. There's, there's no. Humans have just have digressed into this. I don't know, blob of incoherent, unintelligent, satanic nonsense. Okay, quote, just as women are taught to sit with our legs close together, as if we are holding something between our knees. Let me stop right there. If women would put a quarter between their knees, uh, you wouldn't have all these pregnancies and you wouldn't need all these abortions. So I think that's a bunch of malarkey. malarkey. Just as women are taught to sit with their legs close together. That's because you don't have any plumbing on the outside. (laughs) That'd be like me complaining about breasts. You know, don't put your breasts in a bra and have them hanging out. (laughs) You know, I mean, really, why can't you be flat chested like me? Well, I'm not really advising, but, you know, other men. Um, You know what I mean? It's a a physical thing. Yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid. He's stupid. (laughs) He's stupid. He's stupid. 
Anyway, just as women are taught to sit with their legs close together as if we are holding something between our knees, manspreaders transmit an idea of power and territoriality as if the space belongs to them. Well, maybe because it does. Because if I'm sitting in a chair, that's like my chair. Yeah. And if I have, if I'm spread open because my plumbing's on the outside and I'm uncomfortable, that's, yeah, it is my space. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, <laughs> but that's what, that's what they wrote in the petition and it gathered 11,000 virtual signatures, virtual signatures. So they couldn't even do it in person. They had to do it online. Oh, brother. Yeah. Now, if you think this is just Madrid who's gone mad, New York was the first prominent city to campaign against man spreading. Yep. And that, there's a sign at the subway actually says, dude. Stop the spread, please. <laughs> Dude, stop the spread, please. It's a space issue. You know, it, that would, I, I know, I got to tell you, it really kind of irked my nerve if I saw something like that. Yeah, I think I'd, I would purposely be manspreading just for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah, I might even show my butt crack. Ah. Uh, well, no. you know, <laughs> I, New York did this in 2014. Though the issue was reinvigorated in Spain this year when the left-wing CUP party cup. Isn't that weird? Because you're talking about man-spreading and then the left-wing mm-hmm. is called cup. So like wear a cup. <coughs> Excuse me. God bless you. Thank God you. bless you. Gee, you're good looking. <laughs> the cup party demanded an end to what it called an exhibition of machismo and microaggression. Hmm. Wow. Just because your junk is in the front that's called machismo and micro microaggression. Wow. Wow. Okay. But despite its triviality, or perhaps precisely because of it, manspreading has become a symbolic cultural debate indicative of much wider issues. Now, you know, we all know the reason why they do this, and it creates division, and it creates confusion, and hatred, and, and blah, hate. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And you know why... We talk about it because we like making fun of stupidity and Satan's stupid. He's, you know, oh, he's just, oh, he's a smart. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an angel. He's, he was like, but he's stupid to do what he did. The people that he, he his demons possess are just dumb. Uh, they have, they lack wisdom. This is what this is. There's no wisdom here. Exactly. There's no wisdom. Okay. See, so that's it, what it goes about. with today's scripture. It does. Absolutely. Because that scripture is truth. Mm-hmm. This stuff has lacks wisdom. I don't care how intelligent a person is. If they lack wisdom from God, they're stupid. Yeah, this is even foolish wisdom to God. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It's satanic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so oh, here's your word, honey. You get to pronounce it. Its opponents have labeled the term itself what? Misandrist. Misandrist. And that means what? It means... Um, Someone who dislikes or who is strongly prejudiced against men. Wow. So if I were to get a man t-shirt. Haters, basically. A man hater. Yeah. A feminist. If I was to get a t-shirt with that word on it, misandrist, with the big circle and the no sign on it, no mm-hmm. misandrist. You think anybody would understand that? No, except Sandy next door. <laughs> she would understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anyway. The term itself is misandrous and the campaign is petty and have given biological explanations for why men prefer to sit in certain poses. Well, like I said, 
They've also put forward the female targeting term bag spreading. <laughs> bag spreading. That's when a female sits. Apparently, it's common behavior. When passengers lay their handbag or shopping on the adjacent seat as a buffer, taking up extra space. Yeah, but see, you can't really compare the two things. It's not like you guys have an option of putting your stuff somewhere else. Well, we can put our bags on the, the seat next to us, but I don't think anybody like it. Ching ching, <laughs> cricket cricket cricket. But see, with my purse, I keep it on my person because I don't want someone running away with it. Well, it's because you have wisdom and you're smart. But these bag spreaders, <laughs> you're just a bag spreader. <laughs> shut your shut your sewer hole, bag spreader. And I've seen some with several bags. Yeah, and they don't want anybody sitting next to them, so they yeah. take up a seat with their bag. Yeah, see. that ain't right either. Yeah, and have other people standing. Yeah, that's so that's right. messing up my space, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't ride the bus. So uh, there you go. So I, I'm not I'm not aware of all that stuff. OK, uh, that was a, that was a really good rant. I really enjoyed that. I feel better mm-hmm, about that. Mm-hmm. I really feel better about that. Even though I am men spreading right now, I almost don't care anymore. And it seems that a lot of the people in the comment section section. You know, agree that yeah. this is stupid. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It was I mean, so sad, on. though. I mean, it's actually a real city. They actually have a department of, uh, what is it, uh, equality. My goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. You got to love socialism. You got to love the progressives, the liberals. You got to love them because they're loonier than a sewer hole. Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys are going to love this. Everybody who is a Christian, okay, everybody who has gone to church or does go to church, anybody who's ever paid offering in a church or been blessed by a Catholic priest, you're going to love this. A robot priest called Bless You Too. Mm-hmm. Grants automated blessings in Germany. What? What? Wow. What? He's a robot priest. He beams lights from his hands. And he grants automated blessings to people. Yeah, it's in Germany. The robot is called... Bless you too. Bless you too. (laughs) And it was developed by the Evangelical Church Wow! in Nasu, Funky Nasu. The Evangelical Church developed a blessing robot called Bless You Too. Do I need to repeat myself? <laughs> Come on. Brave new sewer hole. With its metallic body and touchscreen, the robot asked a person, what blessing you want? After which it raises its arms and it appears to smile. Wow. It lights then start to flash as the robot says, God bless and protect you. (laughs) And then it recites a biblical verse. After the blessing, the user can print out the dictum. Wow. To keep it with them all day. Yes, because they got blessed by bless you too. Now, where do you put in your credit card and the money for this thing? Now, come on, seriously, I can laugh about this all day, but really, folks, 
um, those of you who study the Bible, the Word of God, or appreciate the magnificent words of God and His holiness, uh, do you think this is appropriate? Do you think this is no right? I, I don't even have to think about it. It's not. It's wrong. They say it's an experiment that is supposed to inspire discussion, said the spokeshole from the church. They said the robot was deliberately not given a human-like appearance. Well, it looks like that rd do to yeah, weird it looks thing. Like a robot. Yeah, it's on our Facebook page. Go look at it. It's a stupid looking. It's like something you'd make in your garage. However, the robot is being met with mixed reactions. Some churchgoers think it's great. And then others say they can't imagine a blessing from a machine. Here's a problem. You're a churchgoer at this evangelical church in Germany. That's your first problem. If you didn't go to that stupid, paganized, satanic building culture that calls itself Christianity, you wouldn't have to deal with a robot Mm -hmm. that's giving you blessings like one of those freaking fortune teller machines that they used to have in the 1930s at the fair or the carnival. Mm-hmm. And you'd go to that fortune teller. You'd see him in these movies, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, you'd give him a coin, and then they would tell your fortune. Well, this robot is the same thing. It gives you a blessing with some kind of scripture printed out. Then, yeah, you can hold on to that all day. And that's not the way God, the Lord of the Spirits, works. One woman who visited the church said, while the robot is interesting, it lacks the human touch. Huh. I think. Boy, she's a genius. Yeah. It's interesting, but it lacks the human touch. Maybe because it's not human. Huh. Hmm. Well, guess what the pastor said? The pastor says the machine should not replace the blessing of a pastor. According to um, the Daily Mail, the robot was launched in the historic town of Wittenberg. Now, wow. see, this is kind of irritating. Yeah. It was launched in the historic town of Wittenberg to mark 500 years since German priest Martin Luther published the 95 Theses. Those are the 95 Theses he nailed on the Wittenberg door, and he literally started the Reformation. It's like they're making fun. Yes. And now 500 years later, the brave new world is a sewer hole. This is how you celebrate? They're mocking. Yes. That's what they're doing. The mockers. That, that's annoying. It is very annoying. It's so annoying. I got to take a commercial break. All right. I'll be back. I'm going to go man spread. I am. You are listening to the Kapow Radio Show Network. Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Kapow is sponsored by Fifthhook Media, a digital publisher of ebooks. Fifthhookmedia.com has a selection of ebooks about spiritual warfare and Christian living. Visit fifthhookmedia.com. That's F I F T H O O K Media.com. Remember, that's fifthhookmedia.com. F I F T H O O K. Kapow! What's up, yo? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm done, yo. Demons in My Marriage Bed from all online digital retailers, such as Amazon.com, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. Please do not be fooled that such things cannot happen to you. Rather, get prepared. 
and become the spiritual warrior needed to overcome in these perilous times in which we all live. You okay, Ms. Capel? I'm fine, Jerry. Okay, because I was manspread and I didn't know if I offended you. I'll get over it. All right. Uh, Prozac Nation. It's now the United States of Xanax. What a surprise. What a surprise. What a surprise. What a surprise. What is an epidemiologist? Because these are the epidemiologists are the people... uh, they're saying it's a disorder, that it's a medical condition. Anxiety is starting to seem like a sociological condition, too. Well, yeah. an epidemiology is a study and analysis of the patterns, causes, and effects of health and disease conditions in defined populations. Oh, okay. So they're saying anxiety is a disease, but it's actually yes. a social problem. It starts off with this weird story. It says this gal, she's 37 years old. um, She has generalized anxiety disorder, and she had texted a friend in Oregon about an impending visit, and when a quick response failed to materialize, she posted on her Twitter account to 16,000-plus followers. She says, I don't want to hear from my friend. I don't hear from my friend for a day. My thought? They don't want to be my friend anymore. Wow. She wrote. And she appended the hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. So because her friend didn't respond back right away, she was no longer, yeah, I mean, so she's a nut bucket. Yeah. It says thousands of people soon offered up their own examples under the hashtag. And uh, those were retweeted more than a thousand times. And uh, so I guess this gal struck a nerve. And so it says, if, if you're a human being living in 2017 and you're not anxious, there's something wrong with you. That's oh, what she said. There must yeah. be something wrong with us, Terry. Well, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with Ms. Kapow, because we're not anxious. We're just waiting for the Lord's return. But I'm telling you what. Plus, I'm, the word says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. There's no, that's, that's prayer, good. Right? Yeah. Just, I got, you know, God gives you perfect peace. Amen. That's and true. that's the scripture I posted, I believe, with this story is... Um, Keep your thought, your mind on the Lord. Yeah. And you have peace. And he'll give you perfect peace. Uh, because, yeah. You know, well, you anxious. Okay. Let's see. Uh, 70 years ago, some poet, Auden, published a poem called The Age of Anxiety. It was a six-part verse framing modern humankind's condition over the course of more than 100 pages. And now it seems we are too rattled to even sit down and read something that long. Anxiety has become our everyday argot. Our thrumming lifeblood. Not just on Twitter. See, that's your first problem is all the social media nonsense. And I understand these young people grew up with this. They were Mm -hmm. born into all this, this nonsense. But... That's your first problem. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. You know, it's really, it's, it's nuts. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Go out and take a walk. You know, look at some nature. Have a conversation with a real human. That kind of Some helps. people don't know how to do that anymore, though, no. because of this technology. They don't. And we see them all the time in restaurants. It's funny. Um, this weekend, we saw a couple. I told Ms. Capago, look at that. They're fubbing. Um, it, it, here's they're, they're young. What do you think? They're in their thirties, late thirties, maybe. Oh, late twenties. I mean, they were okay. young people. You know, and they had a little girl, 
They had a little, uh, you know, a little two-year-old or something like that. And this little girl, you can hear her going, Daddy, Daddy, you want some tamales? You, want, you know, she's trying to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this man would not say a word. His, his, his face was buried in the phone. And then the little girl who sat next to the mother wouldn't say a word. And uh, she was just on her phone. And then she put it to her head and just had a long old conversation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this little girl was like trying to have a, she was trying to talk to her parents. And, yeah. Uh, they weren't teaching her anything. They're, they're, I don't know what they're doing. But I mean, you just see it all the time. It's amazing. Anyway, anxiety has become our everyday argot, they say. Mm-hmm. Um, not just on Twitter, but also on blogger diaries. Celebrity confessionals like Beyonce. Huh. There's a hit on Broadway show called Dear Evan Hansen. Mm. Uh, apparently about anxiety. A magazine startup is called Anxi, a mental health publication based in Berkeley, California. Anxi, a magazine. Uh, buzzed about television series like Maniac coming to Netflix. Uh, all this stuff is about anxiety. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sad, Crazy. Huh? It, it, Reminds me of that one scripture that says uh, the wicked flee when no one pursues them. Oh, yeah. No one. Yeah, you're right. The wicked flee when no one pursues them. And there's another one that says like they'll they'll run at like a, a drop of a leaf. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they think they think it's an army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just nuts. There's With, no peace for the there's no peace. You have no wisdom. Mm-hmm. There's no peace. Uh, there's two new volumes analyzing the condition. There's one called On Edge, A Journey Through Anxiety. There's another one called High Anxiety. There's some mm. bestsellers out there. My Age of Anxiety. There's another one called Monkey Mind. Monkey Mind. Monkey Mind. Um, wow. There's another one called Darkness Visible. There's one called Prozac Nation. And there's one called This Close to Happy. So it's mm. a big thing. That's sad. It's a big thing. Epidemiologists both think it's, um, or, or they think it's both a disorder, a mental, a medical condition, but they also think it's a sociological condition, too. So, th- yeah, okay. Yeah, they say it's a shared cultural experience that feeds an alarmist type of, you know, CNN graphics and meditizes through social media. You know, ah! Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's man-spreading, nah! You know. Right. So it says, as depression was to the 1990s, you know, it's what it is today. It's kind of like anxiety. those hypochondriacs, you know? Every time mm. they read, like, that uh, medical dictionary, they think, oh, I have that. I have yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a new age of anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. Monitoring your heart rate, swiping ceaselessly at your iPhone, you know, mm-hmm. filling meditation studios in an effort to calm our racing thoughts. I mean, yoga's huge. Yeah, so many it people is. are it's, taking it's yoga. Incredible. You know, do this and calm your mind and, you know. Well, isn't that what that widget is for, that gadget thing? Yes, a fidget spinner. Yeah. So when you're anxious, you can spin that thing. Yeah. They say uh, endlessly whirring, whirring, you know, like spinning between the fingertips of Generation Alpha. It annoys teachers. It baffles parents. That's what they call the fidget spinner. Mm, yep, this fidget spinner. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something dark about that. Oh, I don't I, know what it I, is, yeah, but there's I, something I, odd about that. Apparently, they're like little magnets. It's almost like CERN, the same kind of little magnets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Originally, it's marketed as a therapeutic device to chill out children with anxiety. 
attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or autism. They're colorful daisy shaped gizmos and they found an unlikely off label use as an explosive popular toy. Perhaps this generation's Rubik cube. Yeah. Remember that, that thing, but the cube was fundamentally cerebral calm pursuit. Perfect for the latchkey children in the 1980s. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had to use your mind to do the cube. This thing, you just fidget. Yeah. They also had those squeeze balls, remember? Yes. You can sit there and squeeze that thing. Yes. <laughs> During meetings. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I think these things replace chewing gum. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you you work. I mean, I mean, anxiety and stress is really a part of life. But, you know, when you're reading this article, it's way out of control. I mean, people are getting, you know, like it started off with that gal just freaking out. Mm-hmm. Because her friend didn't text her back right away. Yeah, you know they just you know um, you know when I used to work narcotics, one of the things you know that I'd learned was like um, people that were addicted to meth, you know, that they, they could just spin out of control. Like say they're up two or three days right on on meth, and then their shoe comes untied, and the fact that they got to tie their shoe. It just breaks them down. Right. Um, and it's kind of like that. It's it's like something that's so simple, but because of, you know, them being on meth and being up three or four days, they just, they have a mental breakdown over an untied shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they, you know, act so crazy. And that's, that's what's going on with, with these folks. It seems like, you know, they're just so anxious. Yeah. Um, and on edge about everything. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Uh let's see. Here's here's one one person says um this this gal's a reporter for Wall Street. She said she went back to her alma mater, the University of Michigan, to talk to students about stress and one student who had ADHD, anxiety and depression said the pressure began building in middle school when she realized she had to be at the top of her class to get into high school mm. on her classes which she needed to get into advanced placement classes, which she needed to get into college. So she said in the sixth grade, (coughs) kids were freaking out. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times I remember uh, with kids, too, that, you know, they had parents that really put a lot of pressure on them to succeed. And and not only that, but they might have siblings, older siblings that they felt that they needed to, you know, um, compete with. Yeah. Yes, you know, you're, you're, yeah, you got to get to college. You got to do this. You got to do that. So it's all this pressure on them, and, and of course they're suffering from ADHD and autism and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's amazing. It's it's quite a long article. Couldn't read it all, but it's from the New York Times. Uh, but it is quite amazing how they they dissect all of this. And there really is a a real issue out there. Uh, folks are very anxious. They have no peace. Yeah, no peace. Um, you know, we've created a society of, well, brave new sewer hole. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of the symptoms of not following God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There's no peace. Mm-mm. You can't get any peace. You know, life, life is hard when you follow God. Yeah. It's not easy being a Christian. But uh, if you're not. Man, you're just you're just flapping in the wind. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no peace. You can't lay your head at night. You can't just lay down. You know, at night and just sleep. 
Mm-mm. So many people can't sleep, you know, peacefully. Okay, uh, Ms. Kapow, you got a new word called fubbing. Fubbing. What does fubbing mean? I don't know. You tell me. Do you know what it means? Well, isn't it mean... Um, That's I right. I can't put it in words now. It means... When it's 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 actually a com- it's being rude. Yeah, and it's a combination of phone, partner, and snubbing. There you go. Phone partner snubbing is called fubbing. So if Miss Kapow and I were having lunch together, and she was trying to tell me about her day, you know, blah 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 blah, right? And I get on my phone and I ignore her. I snub her. Because I need to check my Fifth Hook Media Facebook page and see who liked my post. Mm-hmm. Right? That's called fubbing. I just fubbed her. Fubbing. And it is ruining relationships. Duh. You think? And now it's so bad that they have to come up with a word. Yeah. It's probably going to be a social disease now. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it a disease. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, your insurance is now going to have to uh, cover uh, fubbing, uh, fubbing care. You know, you don't want to be called a fubber. Mm-mm. Don't be a fubber. You can be a manspreader, but don't be a fubber. Can you imagine if you were fubbing and manspreading? Oof. Oh, my Lord. You should have you committed. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. That's a, that's a big sewer hole right there. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, new research suggests that this... Pernicious problem is wrecking emotional havoc. Mm. Here's the question. Do you spend more quality time with your phone than you do with your partner? Are you compulsively checking for notifications and endlessly scrolling through your social media feeds while in the presence of your significant other? This sounds like you. You may be one of millions of people experiencing what is relatively new psychological condition known as fubbing. It's a psychological condition, Miss Kapow. See, and then it'll become a medical condition. Yeah, it's not just called rudeness, like you said, just being <laughs> rude. No, yeah. it's a psychological. I'm sorry, I got fub. I got fubnosis. <laughs> I didn't mean to ignore you, but I was. I got fubnosis. Nah. According to influential new research, it may be slowly eroding your relationship with your partner. I think it would. Mm-hmm. I would get old real quick. Well, because basically you're saying what you have to say is not important to me. Yeah. I think at one point one partner is going to grab that phone and throw it against the wall. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. I think. Phone addiction is a thing. Fubbing is a something. Fubbing uh, is, is a combination, like I said, of phone and snubbing. and occurs when conversation is interrupted by attention giving... To a smartphone rather than the person you're with. And when it's your loved one who bears the brunt of this compulsive action, it's called fubbing. Partner phone snubbing. Mm. It's a phenomenon directly resulting from the emergence of phone addiction that according to an extensive review of recent studies on the condition is a problem tightly linked to unprecedented technological development over the past decade. And there's your word again, unprecedented. Bing, 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 bing. Mm-hmm. We've never been like this before. Society has never been this far in a sewer hole before. Unprecedented technological development from aliens have created these weird alien hybrid zombie-like used-to-be-human form kind of things that are running around. Right? Fubbing. 
Unlike other forms of behavioral addiction, such as gambling or gaming, in the same report, it was noted that phone addiction seemingly affects young, extroverted women more Mm. than anyone else. Wow. Young, extroverted women more than anyone else. No wonder they can't find a good man and get married. They're too busy fubbing. Mm -hmm. They're fubbing their their, 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 their men. Here this guy is sitting on the bus, all man-spreaded. She doesn't even know it because she's fubbing. Wow. I'm telling you. What's the word? Uh, she she can't even be, what is it? Miss? Miss Sandrist. She can't even be Miss Sandrist because she's fubbing. <laughs> hey, I think I used it in a sentence. I, I think, think I used did. them both like in a, in a real, wow. You're awesome. I should be Aldox Huxley. <laughs> Brave new sewer hole. Australia's foremost expert on relationships is a girl named Julie Hart. She knows everything there is to know yeah, about relationships. 20. What? <laughs> yeah, she's probably about 20, 21. She knows. She says, this is uncharted territory for us as a society. <laughs> and she, that comes from the Hart Center, by the way. Oh, okay. H-A-R-T ah. Center. For younger people, technology of this kind has always been a part of their lives, and they're so dependent on it. Julie says phone addiction, like all addictions, has a way of creeping up on you. The line between addiction and non-addiction can be quite blurred because it's a graduated thing. She says, according to studies in U.S. and in the U.K., on average, we check our phones every four to six minutes of our waking hours. That's over 150 times a day. That's a problem. Yeah. She also believes tech companies like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter deliberately feed on our our inherent psychological need for interaction and acceptance to manifest digital addiction and keep us coming back to them time and time again. You think they do it with Coca-Cola? They do it with food? Yeah. They do it with everything. They do it with everything. She says you could be seduced by the neurochemical hit of dopamine it provides of constant connection at a safe distance. That's weird. Constant connection at a safe distance. Hmm. Who cares? I don't know. Who else wants to reach me? The number of likes I've got. Another funny story to read. The excitement of something new. It could easily become what you do with your spare time. So it's not much of a jump from that to also continuing to do uh, to do it when you're with your partner instead of using the time as an opportunity to connect with them. Anyway. Well, like, don't you think you're more exposed yeah. And with with the the phone when you're texting somebody, you can backspace, erase. Eh, I don't really want to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to get real real intimate as you do when you're talking to somebody across the table and yeah. they're going, "What's wrong with you?" And then when you say something, you yeah. can't take it back. Yeah. Or rephrase it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah, a lot simpler mm-hmm. to hide behind the the technology. You're right. Well, it's a major problem. It's uh, getting in the way of partners. People are having, um, you know, problems with it. They're sleeping with these phones. They sleep with yeah. them under the pillows. Yeah, we read about that years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it helps them avoid confrontation or something, everything like that. And you're so. really conditioned that way. Not yeah. only at home. Oh, we saw it with that, that little girl. You know, both her parents were on the phone. They no, want to talk to her. So you see it at home. Mm-hmm. And then your work. I remember when you had that um, BlackBerry, Yeah. even on your day off, you had to make sure that you checked your phone periodically because you were still getting messages from work. Or if the phone rang, you had to answer it and 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I so had that. You're conditioned. Uh, I had that BlackBerry, and it was uh, connected with Nextel. I don't know if anybody remembered Nextel, but it was Nextel provided radio communication. So um, the the sergeants that worked for me would contact me via the radio. So there you are, you know, having dinner at five o'clock or something like that, and all of a sudden the radio would go, "LT, are you there? LT, are you there?" And you hear this voice talking to you. You know, because they're on the radio. It was horrible. I hated the thing. Yeah, but not only them, but your bosses did stuff oh, my like bo- that. Yeah, my bosses and would get a hold of me. And that was annoying because you needed the time off, and we were out as a family, and they would call you, and that was that was annoying. I didn't have a day. I never had days off. You know, well, I and didn't get paid on those days, but I never had days off. Yeah. Um, you know you're a fubber. How do you know you're a fubber? You have your phone out and close to you when you are with your partner at all times. You keep your conversations with your partner short because your attention is more focused on what is on your phone. (laughs) You break your attention from the conversation you're having with your partner to look at or respond to your phone. That's annoying. You check your phone when there's a lull in the conversation. If you are watching TV together, you look at your phone when there's an ad break. You take a call that is not urgent when you're having quality time with your partner. You could be a fubber. Mm, I'm not. Yeah. You don't want to fub at church. Nope. Can you imagine sitting in church and you fub and the pastor's trying to talk to you? No, you get hit with a ruler. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, inside Skirt Club. Oh. Inside Skirt Club. I can't go there because, number one, I'm a man, and they are mis... What are they called? Miscreants? Sapism. 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 I don't even know That's to... a new word I, I, I learned from reading this article, and it means lesbian. Lesbian. How do you spell that? Um, S-A-P-P-H-I-S-M. Sapism. Sapism. Interesting. Sapism. Well, this is called the Inside Skirt Club, Hollywood and New York's high glamour sex party for women's only. No man spreading here, folks. This is just pure lesbo action. Okay, so uh, let's well, see. Well, I guess da, it's da, open da, da, da. to all women, whether you're straight or, you know, not. Okay. Uh, I don't know what a straight woman would be going to a all woman sex club for, but all right, you know, I'll bite. Okay, so I'm just curious <laughs> to see what the others do. Here's a sample of greetings that occur at the door of a woman's only sex party in Los Angeles. Hello, welcome. Are you on the list? I've been looking for a studded leather bra bralette everywhere. Love it. The Dominatrix is warming up her sub, a.k.a. submissive. Mm. The sex party's a skirt club. It's a roving, members-only, high-glamour, underground community for women who like to play with women's. Okay, there you have it. Yep. They take place in Berlin, London, Melbourne, Sydney, New York, Miami, San Francisco, and in downtown L.A. Yep. It's a loft. Yeah. That's it, tricked out to look like a dungeon. Mm. Where one producer with a rocket bod revealed she has several kids. Some identifying details have been changed for anonymity. 
She says, this is so effing hot. Meanwhile, my to-do list today was potty train, do school drop-off, and find sparkly duct tape for nipples. Sounds like a busy day. Her to-do list was to potty train, you can imagine, do school drop-off. I don't know what that means. Drop-off for kids at school. Oh, and find sparkly duct tape for nipples. Okay, so basically, I, I, she's a mother in the day, and oh. then at night, she's this nasty little girl. Oh, okay. I thought there was. I thought these were like. I no. did. I always thought they were like hidden words for like the sex club. Like <laughs> you know, you do potty training, and you like, hey, do you do you do school drop off? Yeah, I do school drop off. <laughs> Get on me, man spreader. Let's do some school drop off. I mean, that's what I thought it meant. Here. Yeah, okay. Because my brain, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That's the way it works. But I, I, I see what you're saying. She's a okay. regular person. Yeah. And then at night, she transforms into this other person. Yeah. Most of the women who come for an evening of unabashed... Here's Safism. Safism. With Skirt Club identify as straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're currently married to a man... In response to an application question that's part of the vetting process, 60% identify between a zero and a two on the Kinsey scale, which goes up to six, apparently, meaning that they see themselves as anywhere from exclusively straight to predominantly straight, but more than incidentally homosexual. I think this is a place where you can kind of experiment with your own sexuality. Yeah, I think these ladies are lying when they take this scale. And yeah. They go, "I'm a one or two. I'm 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 straight. I'm predominantly straight, but more than incidentally homosexual." I mean, look it. I'm a straight man, but if I were to go make out with another man with a beard, I'm gay as a two dollar bill. Yeah, there's no in between. There's yeah. no gray area. There's no. I'm primarily straight. I'm married to Miss Kapow. But on the weekends, I like to put on my cowboy hat and make out with bearded men. <laughs> Why man spreading? Yeah. You know, it just it doesn't work that way. No. I don't care what they try to say in the brave new sewer hole. That's not the way it is in reality. No. You're a lesbo. You're a, a sufficientness thing. <laughs> Many are committed in partnerships with men or have been. They are what University of Utah sex researcher Lisa Diamond calls sexually fluid. So they're whoremongers. A tendency seen more often in women to be sexually fluid, to be swayed by a feeling of connection, an opportunity or a supportive community more than just the other's gender, which in New York and Los Angeles manifest in surprisingly similar and different ways. So anyway, that's what they do. They get together and they do stuff. It's high end. Um, they're vetted, so not just anybody can go in there. So mm-hmm. um, this is interesting. It says that this is this might seem kind of trendy at a time when Wonder Woman is out. The mm-hmm. movie Wonder Woman. Gal, I don't know how you pronounce her name. Is it Gadot? Get it? Got yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Okay, Gal got it. Is seen on screen telling her love interest, quote, men are essentially for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Wow. There you have it. Okay. So Wonder Woman is a sapphism. She Wonder Woman practices sapphism. 
Uh, let's see. It may also feel more valuable than ever, considering that I... Oh, I'm not going to read that part. Let's see. Yeah, da, da, no. Da. no, no. It's, I hate that. They always got to put something like that in an oracle. I'm not going to do it. I'm she not going to um, go there. The club began when she got grew tired of former boyfriends leveraging her bisexuality to get some threesomes. Sex parties <laughs> were no better. She was put off by... What is it? Ick aesthetics and yeah. men being the producers, hmm. directors and stars of every encounter. I wanted an elegant party all about female centered pleasure, as she put it. And she sensed that she was not alone in her desires. So after a party for friends at her London home in 2013, Skirt Club has grown to 7000 members and 30 parties annually mm. for a hundred and eighty dollar admission price. Uh, from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., women who have been vetted drink champagne, hear from a sexual or a sex-positive speaker or performer, and go at it. No men allowed. Ugh. Wow. Wow. Okay. $180. That's an expensive club, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, and she's making some money. Mm-hmm. 7,000 yeah. members and 30 parties annually? Uh, I don't know how many people show up at a party. I mean, figure, you know, a couple of hundred. At almost 200 bucks a pop. It's pretty good. All right. Well, that's enough for that. Um, we've been acting crazy. It's um, Brave New Sewer Hole. There's no other way to describe it. No, no other no way, blah, 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 to describe it. They say that um, this evolutionary biologist said that lesbians exist for and because of men. Wow. Lesbians exist for and, and because, because of men. Of men. Mm-hmm. How do they how do they exist I don't know. for they did men. some kind of study. Brave new sewer hole. Yep. That's amazing. Well, is the opposite true? Do gay men exist for and because of women? I don't know. I mean I guess gay men, you know, can help you put on your makeup. Is that is that, is that what it means? I have no idea. I just looked down. I'm manspreading again. Gee, Louise. <sighs> I can't help myself. You know what? I just, I need a robot priest to bless me. I need some Prozac. I need to go fub. Yeah, because I can't go to the skirt club. <laughs> so there, I just wrapped up the whole show in one, like, <sighs> sentence. You're funny. That's pretty good. I'm going to go say goodnight. All right. Ciao, babies. <laughs>